0: Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction, so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun- functional issues, problems like that. Or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes or just build one new home in its place and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. And when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that and you can send us a message and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this. And hopefully we All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here for our first episode of 2019. I know we're a few weeks late into the year. Support on Real Estate Podcast. It's episode 92, and it's episode one of 2019. We're back, but we're back with a bang. We've got a fantastic guest, but before we intro him with a very nice drum roll, I want to welcome my co-host, Steve Nassar. What's up, steve Hey, Tucker. Happy New Year's. I know it's a little belated,
1: as you acknowledged, but I think, as you mentioned, our listeners are going to be very excited about the guest we have. It's probably one of my favorite guests from last year, and I think you uh, you and I talked offline about that. It was just such an informative, he's such an informative guest. One of few that actually has a microphone in front of him and um, is very familiar with podcasts because he does one of his own, and he'll mention that here later, but welcome back to the show, Kurt Von Wasmuth. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to hang out with you guys again. For those who are not familiar with Kurt, Kurt, remind our listeners who you are and what your position is.
2: I am the president and CEO of the Regional Multiple Listing Service, lovingly referred to as
1: RMLS. The biggest in the state of Oregon?
2: Yes, we serve the majority of the state of Oregon and a large portion of southwest Washington.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it goes without saying, he is an integral part of the process of being a realtor in that they are the data system source of so much we do, a technology source of so much we do. One of the main reasons we wanted to bring Kurt on, I mean, amongst many, I'll give our listeners a little sneak preview of what the show's format's going to be. Kurt sent out via RMLS, but Kurt was obviously a part of the process, early in 2019. It was January 7th, actually. I saved the email, and we're going to use it today as a as a bullet point outline. A wonderful top 10 things that were accomplished by RMLS in 2018. I remember when I, I received this email, it was early morning. I was actually at the gym, and I got it. I was glancing through here, and I'm like, wow, you guys knocked it out of the park in 2018, Kurt. I mean any one of these several projects is a massive undertaking and yet you guys accomplished many of them. And we're going to talk about them one by one. We're going to get updates on some of them, including the coming soon, no showings, the Sentry Lock conversion and more. We're also going to talk with Kurt about 2019. It's hard for me to imagine that after accomplishing so much in 2018 that you guys are going to rest on your laurels and don't have a bunch of great (laughs) stuff planned for this year. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Kurt and RMLS's unique perspective into our market. And one of them, well, there's a couple of reasons they have a unique perspective. First of all, whenever Tucker and I do a market update, I mean, we are we print out and are looking at RMLS data. They are the source of that data. So, So there's obviously that component. But one thing those market updates don't show that is very interesting is subscriber numbers. How many Agents are joining RMLS and how many are leaving RMLS? Because I think that can be very telling of a market change. And we have past history to to gather data from and compare. Uh, in other words, and we'll go into that, you know, as markets cycle, where does u- user growth plateau in relation to a you know a trough or a peak of a cycle? So Without further ado, let's go into some of these accomplishments of 2018, Kurt. We're going to put one in here that was not on the list, Kurt, that is really fascinating. We're going to have you chat about it. It's Upstream. Tell us what Upstream is and tell us um, what you know about it, Kurt.
2: So way back
1: in like 2015
2: or 16, the largest brokers in the nation started to get frustrated because some of their smaller MLSs that they have to deal with simply weren't willing to provide the data that they wanted in a timely fashion or in the format that they wanted or any number of problems. Um, Keep in mind, there's like 770 MLSs in this country. So if you're serving several states, that's a ton of MLSs you have to deal with. Florida alone has 20-something MLSs. So in some cases, that can be very frustrating. So the largest brokerages and franchises got together, and they, they dreamed up this thing called Upstream. And Upstream was the idea that um, agents should enter listings into this product called Upstream, uh, and then the listings could be doled out to the MLSs and the portals and software manufacturers and everything from there, rather than relying on these 700 MLSs. Now, if if you're a if you're a member of a, of a brokerage that only belongs to two or three MLSs, this doesn't it's not that big a deal. But when you belong to a ton of them, this can be a huge time savings. Um, and in a surprising twist, uh, our MLS in Portland, Oregon, was chosen as the poster child. We were the MLS that Upstream wanted to work with. I think mainly because we build our own system, uh, and that's important because uh, it means we're competent and we can do what they were asking for. But it's also we're easy to work with. Like we uh, we've worked with these people before. Um, 2018 was sort of the the uh, rubber hitting the road. There were was a grand total of two listings that entered RMLS web from uh upstream and then it sort of fizzled <laughs> well, after well, those we had two a little things. And that was in the summer too. So that was in I think May those came in and we never saw any more. And uh just sort of as a quick wrap up, they have decided they won't be working with RPR as their vendor anymore, which is an NAR owned company. Uh they have chosen another vendor but have not announced who that vendor is. Um, And so, you know, we're just sort of in a holding pattern when it comes to Upstream. It's a a huge nationwide project. We were proud to have helped out in any way that we could. And we'll see, you
0: know, we'll see what comes of it. So were they going to do like a test run with you guys? Was that why they chose you? Yeah, that's exactly right. We were the the first
2: ones to go through. Now, they've sort of pivoted since then, and they decided that building a listing input module maybe isn't the best way to do it. And instead, they're just sucking data out of MLSs and organizing it differently for the largest brokers. But for us, that's exactly what we were. We were the first test market. The second one was supposed to be Silicon Valley down in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but two listings and out in 2018. Well, so I per- said something good about you guys that uh, they decided they want to work with you to test it. Yeah, I think that's a real testament. I mean, there's a there's a nation of MLSs to choose from out there, and they chose us.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, Kurt, they're a private company, n- not, not a, an association. No, um, yeah,
2: no, they're fully, they're private, fully privately private owned. Company. They have their own CEO. And in 2019, they will be funded by broker dollars. But in 2018, 17, 16, they were funded by the National Association of Realtors.
1: And their their thought process was almost kind of the reverse. You know, you take a an IDX, and they they are fed from our MLS, from an MLS. Right. They're they were kind of the opposite end of that. They're like you put into us first, right, and then we'll feed the MLSs, right. Which doesn't make a ton of sense for us because I mean, well, it can. I guess if you're doing Salem and Portland, th- those two, or you know, right. you get into Battleground and, and Northwest MLS, you might want to cross. But I have heard stories, and you mentioned Silicon Valley was where they're going to go next. I have heard stories where there are four or five different MLSs within a sh- tiny little area.
2: Oh, and absolutely.
1: So the idea would be you put it in this one place, and boom, it's in all four or five of those, and it, it's just an efficiency
2: Yeah, factor. absolutely. There are, there are uh, at least one, I think probably more like three situations, where MLSs are right across the street from each other. Like There's yeah. so much competition that you could throw a rock and hit
1: another MLS. Interesting, interesting. It kind of reminds me a little bit on the commercial side of LoopNet, isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm. LoopNet, yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, let's move on to number nine on the bullet points of accomplishments for two thousand eighteen. Kurt, MLS aligned. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Oh, so this is this is my baby. I love this. So uh, we were <laughs> there were five of us at dinner one night back in two thousand and sixteen, maybe seventeen. Uh, And we're talking RMLS in Portland, Oregon, Jim Harrison in Silicon Valley, um, Matt Consalvo in Arizona, Brad Bielke in Utah, and Chris Carrillo in Wisconsin. And we were, you know, you you get five MLS CEOs together and they all start chatting about the pains of what they're working on. All of us were struggling with our CRM. I think the whole world is struggling with CRM right now. Uh, You've got, you know, a a ton of things that we're all working on at exactly the same time. And it occurred to us, there's literally no chance that I'm going to be competing with Utah at any point or Wisconsin or Arizona or Silicon Valley. And if none of us are ever going to be in a position where we're competing with each other, well, then why aren't we helping each other out? Why aren't we cooperating? And we, you know, it sort of started as this pie in the sky idea, and in 2018 it really coalesced into a company called MLS Aligned LLC, uh, and it's five MLSs that are working together. Um, On a myriad of different projects. And I think in 2019, you're going to start seeing sort of reaping the benefits of competing with other MLSs. Right now we have, um, if you use an Android um, uh, smartphone. We have an app in in the Google Play Store that is just the RMLS app. You just type in RMLS. It's in beta, so don't anybody expect perfection. But that is the first thing that we get from five MLSs cooperating with each other. And there's going to be a ton more stuff coming out. We've created the world's first shared database. So a database that has, well, it's not really a database. It's an API that allows a vendor to access all five of our databases with one query. So you could, so if you think in your mind, be thinking of like software that does like a statistical report or maybe like flyers. So you don't need a ton of data. You need to write a query, get some information and get it back. And what we've done is we've written an API where these vendors can hit one system and get data from all of us. So it doesn't matter if you're doing a flyer in Arizona or Wisconsin or Portland, you just submit the query, data comes back
1: and you're done. Uh, It was sort of proof
2: of concept of what could happen when five MLSs start working together.
1: Wow, and they're not geographically located closely together, right? No, no, no.
2: Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin is pretty far away from Milwaukee, Oregon. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I hear and and I hear they don't they don't make um Harley Davidson's in Milwaukee Oregon from what I've what from what, <laughs> what I've heard <laughs> that's true. Um, so uh so it's more it has nothing to do with by being local closely together geographically we want to work together it's more about you're over there we're doing the same thing what are you doing that's working here's what we're doing and let's join forces and you mentioned competing with MLSs so y- you view it as like hey By getting the help from Milwaukee, you might be able to overpower. Is that a good word? (laughs) Some of the (laughs) Southern Oregon MLSs or the Central Oregon MLSs. I mean,
2: it's certainly our goal at some point to be statewide. And honestly, if, if cooperating with four other MLSs gives us a lift, well, then let's go ahead and do it. The huh? real the real lift comes from the fact that these MLSs are all like-minded MLSs, meaning that we all have technology departments. We all write something. So Portland and Utah writes their own front end. We develop our own system. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Arizona, they write their own tax system. So we do a little bit of tax work, but not like they do. Holy moly, they've got a huge system. And Silicon Valley, they're writing software all over the place. They have lots of software that they sell. So it was really the fact that we were all like-minded MLSs who had the same sort of skill sets that we could leverage off of each other.
1: Okay, so you just made me think of something, Kurt. Are the, are the MLSs in Silicon Valley, are they, do they have a t- tremendous advantage just because of where they're located and the talent pool near them?
2: LinkedIn and Google, you know, the, the prices are through the roof. So do they have the talent? Yeah, absolutely. It also makes it a little bit tougher for them to compete to get the top talent because everybody's
1: making outrageous sums down there gotcha good interesting point interesting point okay drum roll tell us about that kurt
2: So every year we put on. So if you we put on what we call the the uh, summit and trade fair. So it's a it's an opportunity for people to get credit hours, and an opportunity for us to you know sort of allow people to wander around and look at booths and what opportunities are available for them. If you went back in time, so I started running this back in. 1999 was the first year I ran it and it was entirely different than it is today it used to be a giant and with the you know popularity of the internet that giant room full of vendors has shrunk and we've had to f- switch the focus from exposure to software packages and and you know phones and cars and stuff like that down to the focus is now education And the trade show itself is sort of, it's significantly smaller, um, but it's also less impactful. So it's more an opportunity for people to get together, sit in on some classes that they might not have been exposed to otherwise and get some credit hours.
1: Yeah, no, I've been to a couple of these. They're great. Um, aren't they downtown in the Lloyd district area?
2: Yeah. So they move around a little bit. I think we will be in the Lloyd district again this year in 2019, Um, back in the day, it used to be at the convention center. So we try and keep it around there. But one year we held it at the forestry center, uh, so it moves around and this is the spring one. RMLS also does one in the fall, though. I doubt people in Portland would be interested because it, it moves around. It could be in Brookings. It could be in Pendleton. It could be in Florence. You know, it's all
1: over. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So moving along to number seven, open house broker tour improvements. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm not, there's not an
2: awful lot to say there. We just changed the way that the open houses show up. You can get to open houses from a listing, that sort of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a usability improvement inside of RMLS web.
1: I'm not so, familiar with it, Kurt. So take, take a second and tell me as, as a user, cause I, I mean, I get the value in it. Say, say I want to, my client calls me up and says, Hey Steve. I want to see some open houses in Lake Oswego. You know, you're out of town. Tell me where I should go. Is that what it does? And I can put in a, a geographic area, and it tells me all the open houses. What does that's it do? That's
2: exactly right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. exactly right. Same and for this
2: one, we added the ability, you know, to add an open house um, or add open house information when your listing is still in progress and that type of thing. Got It's it. a part of the usability oversight that we're doing into Armless web to try and make it easier to use.
1: You mean as a coming soon or in progress you could then in- put it out there for other agents to see that this is there's about to be an open house in a week or That's two. Right. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, a lot of these improvements, you know, for for busy agents like myself, they sneak under the radar and and it's I think it's valuable at a time like this to to For myself to learn. (laughs) Sure, yeah. yeah, And maybe our listeners too. (laughs) RMLS training, number six. What do you got here?
2: So because of the year, like like if you look at the enhancements that we did in 2018, um, especially when it comes to the one we're going to talk about later, coming soon, we had record number of classes that were taught. So if you look, um, if you look at the numbers, we're through the roof, not only in the number of people that we trained in 2018, but the number of presentations that we did, the number of geographic locations that we visited, like, I mean, it was an incredibly busy, busy year for our trainers at RMLS and not just for our trainers. I mean, it expanded to everyone. We had our rules and regs folks out going out, giving presentations. I mean, I was swamped. I was out there giving presentations. We were busy and we accomplished a ton in 2018, which is sort of a, it's an overall trend of this entire you know uh, this entire list here you mentioned it earlier 2018 was was a monster year for armaless we got a lot done and a lot a lot of what we got done this is a sort of teaser for later a lot of what we got done no one knows about it's it's planting seeds for what's coming up in 2019
1: Ooh. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and I'm excited to hear about that. I, one, one little plug I'm going to put in here, guys. When I first got into real estate, you know, RMLS is probably one of the most important tools, if not the most important tools we use. Um, there's a few zip forms, the forms, um, you know, some of the other components, but I, I was, I was playing around with it, playing around with it. And then I finally saw the trainings. And I think at this point, Gosh, I I I'm gonna. I think I I went to the Vancouver office for -hmm. some reason. There was some reason I went to the Vancouver office. I think it's just what happened to be the scheduling, but I ended up going to three or four of the trainings. One, you know, one's focused on listing up listing load. One was focused on buyers and prospect profiles. One was focused on um, CMA profiles or something. I forget exactly. And I I left there just my head had wrapped around this this powerful tool and. Ever since then, Kurt, I kid you not. Whenever I'm talking to a brand new agent, I tell them, "Do not try to figure it out on your own, I, and don't ask me any questions. Go to those three or four trainings, and then come to me for you know the final, you know." And this is members and, and right. other agents that I encounter, and and then I'll give you those those higher level questions. But it is such a great foundation of knowledge. So I would I would re-echo that to any um, newer agents out there. Go to the RMLS training right out of the gate. The sooner you go to it, the sooner you'll be hitting the ground running um, with the ability to understand and use the, the most powerful tool a yeah. realtor needs to have. Plus thank you. Thank be.
2: you. That's, I mean, we appreciate the kind words. That means a lot to us, but to be honest, we get, we get such a small percentage of our subscribers. I mean, we've got a huge number of subscribers out there, a small percentage go to our classes. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want an edge over your competitors, take the training.
1: Like, yeah, It'll help. Yeah. And, and there's something, you know, we live in a day and age where people want to do everything online and at home. And I'm telling yeah. you that you'll, You'll absorb it so much more effectively in person, asking yep. questions, having your computer there. They're showing you how what to do. There, it's really, really great stuff. So, yeah. Okay, we're coming on a big one. We're we're down to drum roll number five. Showing time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good drum roll. Yeah, yeah, he is good at that. I'm Talk just to sure us about that. showing time, Kurt. So I know
2: that if I remember correctly, and I think I do, you you are very excited about uh, Showing Time coming out. Showing Time is basically organizes the business of showings. It allows people ahead of time to say, look, I have some buyers. They want to see the house between this time and this period. And it allows that listing agent to respond and say, yeah, that works for me. Uh, let's go ahead and do it. Or No. The owner is going to be home or for whatever reason that doesn't work out and we need to reschedule that one. It's a little bit more of an organized approach to showings. Now, there are geographic regions in this country that have had showing time or showing suite or, you know, any of the showing type software for years. Um, and, you know, Portland and Oregon and Southwest Washington always sort of felt like, eh, culturally, that's not the way we do it. We just kind of want to call people. Um and so the the release of showing time has been incredibly popular with some of our subscribers, and less so with others. Uh, the most common call to our help desk is, "How do I how do I shut this thing off? It confuses me. I don't know how to do it." But those people that are using it and using it effectively love it.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, Kurt. I'm not using it now. Keep in <laughs> mind, and that's not me purposefully. I, I've I have a team, and I have right. two two co lists, and um you know, t- two assistants right. and, and they just, you know, change is hard, change is hard. And <laughs> it is, I- I'd love to sit down. I honestly haven't, I mean, I've a couple of times we've brought it up and I think we're turning it off most of the time. And, and I, a part of it is too, it's, it's one of those technologies that even if we turn it on, if the other agents aren't using it, what's the point, right? right. And vice versa, right. if I'm right. using it and I go to, I want to use it and the other agent has it turned off, So it's one of those tools that I think it's almost like there has to be a a synchronized education of sorts. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you know, and that's the million dollar question. How do you do it so that, so that, and it will then start to snowball as more and more people use it and like it, then Mm -hmm. it will, um, it will take off, I, I guess. I guess an, an analogy I would use is like a, a video phone, right? Like if in the '90s you had a video phone and no one else had a video phone, well, who are you going to use it with, right? Yeah, how um, good did it do you? And it's and, and 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 then if there's two people that have it, well, yeah, you and that person are talking, but it's still limited. It's it's not until you know a, a, the masses suddenly have it that it starts to take off. So, right.
2: well, and I've talked to my counterparts around the country that have introduced <laughs> this long before we did and they said it takes it takes years i mean I it takes so, a yeah. long time for that culture to change and and it, that's really what it is it's it's sort of like you know people this is the way we do things and then slowly over time some users start demanding no if you want to do a showing you have to do it through this and that number grows and grows uh-huh. and grows and then boom you hit critical mass and now there we're we go. I I go
1: is, you go i heard. think that is i think that is how huh? it will work and I think it will take years. Not to yeah. mention that you rolled it out at a time where you other big stuff was coming out that we were all trying <laughs> to figure out.
2: Yeah, we would like to refer to that time period as 2018. Like, there was always <laughs> something big going on. Yeah. Do so, you
0: talk with other – so, like, you obviously are in communication with other RMLSs because that was my question. Yes. Do you then bounce kind of improvement ideas off of other ones that maybe have some of these features and then get feedback of like you just actually opt it fully and understand it before then you decide okay it's worth the time and effort to do the coding and deployment in our own market here and you guys probably have a sit-in and you know do an I and an a nay as to right. whether or not we move forward with it are, are you utilizing these other RMLSs and your relationships with them to kind of help determine where you're putting your efforts for the improvement
2: yeah absolutely so in this one in particular I called because um, we've had, I don't want to drum this to death, but we've had the showing companies, all of the software uh, opportunities come to us for years. Back when I was the liaison for the technology committee, we saw them for the first time in like 98, 99, sometime around there. Um but as soon as this one got critical mass and the tech committee was like, okay, it's time. This, this has enough features in it. They're willing to work with us. They're willing to weave it into the MLS. The first thing I did was call my friend Stuart, who's in Tennessee, and I knew that they had released this as well. And that's where I got the information. He said, yeah, it's going to be a slow rollout. It's going to take some time. Don't be in a hurry uh, because change is hard.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, moving on. Number four. RMLS fee simplification increase.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't shy away from the fact that dues went up. Uh, but in fact, the, the, um, the motivation wasn't, you know, cash, although to be perfectly honest, we hadn't raised our dues since 1992. So, you know, find some other company that's able to live without raising their dues that long. So it was sort of long, long overdue for us to raise uh, fees so that we could offer better services. and Remind us what things. they
1: went from to, Kurt.
2: Well, so we went from a and a, sort of a convoluted situation where we had two different pricing structures. If a broker uh, chose option A, the subscribers would pay $35 a month, but the broker themselves would have to pay $100 a month. And that was sort of a holdover from a previous fee increase that we had back in 1991. Uh, the second option was that everybody in the office could pay forty-five dollars a month, and then the broker didn't supplement their, you know, their income. It was just forty-five dollars a month, and the broker pays nothing. And the problem that I had with that is when you're trying to expand the boundaries of a multiple listing service, you have to have. A five-second elevator pitch. How much does it cost to belong to your organization? Well, explaining those two fee structures was a pain in the ass, and I couldn't get through it, right? So I needed something simpler, and to be perfectly honest, everybody needed something simpler. You don't find any products out there in the marketplace, like a can of Coke or a gallon of milk, that takes 30 seconds to explain the two different ways you could pay for it. So we decided to go $47 a month for everybody across the board, and the broker no longer pays a fee, which brings us in line with the vast majority of other MLSs around the country that had dropped their sort of supplemental income a long time ago.
0: Hmm.
1: So you really, for most people, or how was it broken up before? Was it 50-50, or was it mostly the 45 It had gotten pretty
2: close to 50, 50 over time. We've been seeing the number of people that chose that option one, $35 a month with the hundred dollars from the broker had been decreasing and decreasing and decreasing every year to the point where we were pretty close to 50, 50. And it was a foregone conclusion that at some point everyone was going
1: to be the $45 a month. Got it.
2: So we just used that as the base. And from that, it's a $2 a month
1: increase. Or twenty four dollars a year, whereas right. for the people where the broker was paying a hundred dollars a month, yeah, they felt a little bit more of a sure, an increase. sure, yeah. yeah, okay, which Got is it.
2: painful. But to be perfectly honest, as the first increase in twenty six years, yeah,
0: you
1: yeah. Know,
2: we didn't get a lot of kickback.
0: Yeah, I think no, uh, I don't imagine you. That did. adds up to one hundred and forty four dollars over the course of an entire year. I think they'll be okay, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, and you guys
1: are doing you you guys are doing a few things over there with 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 that money. So we'll, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've got
2: big stuff coming.
1: <laughs> we'll give you some slack. Just kidding. Okay, here's here's probably okay one of the top two biggest. Well, the next three are all huge. Never mind. Let's just go through them. <laughs> Number three coming soon. No showing status, and I have all sorts of questions about this and enforcement. Oh, and so you take it away first, Kurt, and then we'll go from there with questions and follow up.
2: All right. So the, the great thing I think about coming soon was that PMAR, the Portland Metropolitan Association of Realtors, asked me to come out and do a wrap-up. It was the first time they'd ever asked me to do that. No one's ever asked me after a release. Traditionally, when releases are coming out, we have a lot of here's what's coming, here's what's coming, questions and answers, and then it releases and we go silent. So I was forced into a situation where I had to put together some use case scenarios, and the statistics were fascinating on this. So. In 2018, by the way, I should explain, the coming soon status, just in case there's someone out there who hasn't heard about it and subsequently called and yelled at me about it, uh, is is supposed to be a short-term status before it goes active. It is optional. That is by far the most important aspect of any of it. No one has to enter in a listing as CSN. There's been a lot of people calling me crying, you know, I don't want to do this. Well, don't. Please don't. In fact, please don't. The vast majority of people don't. At most, it's 21 days in which you're basically announcing to your fellow Realtor subscribers that I have a listing coming. Now, if you look at the numbers, the way that it's used most often is the average days that a listing stays in CSN status throughout the entire year was six days. So basically what people are saying is, hey, gang, next week, this property is going to be available to be shown. Get your buyers ready. And let's get, some, let's get some people through here. So six days isn't a lot. Uh, if you look throughout uh, 2018, we had 3,537 listings start in the coming soon no showings category. Uh, and then, you know, sort of work their way through the life. So it's a, I mean, what is that? 3%, three point something percent of listings use. Uh, the coming soon status. So it's certainly optional. Nobody has to do it. But I think 3,500 listings in a year proves that there was a need for this. People wanted to sort of pre-release their properties and let people know what this is under contract. It's going to be available uh, and we're going to have showings on X date.
1: Mm -hmm. Did you talk about the, the restrictions as a result of this Release. Yeah, so I
2: haven't I haven't talked about it yet.
1: Cuz I think that's but, as, that's probably as impactful as what you what you're doing to allow sh- exposure. Also the the restrictions and some of the thought process behind that. So the idea
2: was that if we were going to do this, there were two camps of people um, when this task force got together. The first camp was people that wanted to be able to pre-release listings in some way or another. The second camp of people were those people that were really frustrated at the time with the pre-releases that were going on that were getting sold ahead of time. Now, it's, it's, it's erroneous. A lot of people have told me, well, you just did this to get rid of dual agency. That's not true. There's nothing illegal about dual agency. However, what was concerning to the multiple listing service is if you go back to, like, let's say 2011, 2011, if you look at the database, there was about 520 listings that had zero days on market, right? It wasn't a large portion of the Of the listings, but there's always going to be some that have zero days on market because that's how the world works. There's sometimes that happens. But you look at 2016, so five years later, and it was 2,650 listings had zero days on market. That's thousands of listings that had no exposure right? The deal got done before it was exposed to the entire marketplace. And that was the concern. That was what people were worried about was look at all of these listings that are coming in. And I never had an opportunity to bring a buyer to that transaction. So when we released coming soon, we put some caveats around it. One, if you put it in as a CSN, you cannot market it on like Zillow or, you know, realtor.com or any website at all. Uh, it's supposed to be a status where you're sharing this information with your counterparts, with your fellow realtors, but not necessarily with the consumer, right? You're not telling the consumer, this is coming up. You're telling other realtors, get your buyers ready.
1: Yeah. Um, let me speak a little bit to this too. First of all, I, I love it, Kurt. I truly do. Um, it was a big change for me, but I love it. And I'll tell you why. Not only in your scenario, it to me, it wasn't just about the listings that had zero days on market. It yeah. was agents, bad actors, in my opinion, mm-hmm. who were using it as bait out there. Right, And I, I have reason to believe sometimes they may not have even been legitimate listings. They were taking mm-hmm. maybe their own personal residence, maybe, which would be kind of obvious for to someone looking, but maybe they're taking their brother's house or a friend's house. It's in a desirable area. In a throne... They're saying coming soon in three weeks, and they're just sitting back waiting for the phone to ring with consumers, who, by the way, are people we're all looking, trying to connect with, but they're using this this shady tactic to not only attract consumers and grow their business, but possibly take my buyers, too. Right. Um, Because my buyer, then, who maybe I've been talking to, met in an open house or however, is online looking around, they go, Oh, this is coming soon. Let me click on it. Suddenly their phone's ringing and that person's giving them a run, you know? Hey, and, and, and I would venture, they probably had some pretty good scripting that went something like, Hey, you know, that property is not available right now. Um, there are some challenges going on with the seller. They're second guessing whether they want to even go on the market. But let me tell you what I do have. Can I come meet with you, or can we meet at this property? And 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 that's kind of how they're going at it. That's
0: right, um, Steve. It sounds like you might have did a little recon work here on uh, <laughs> some of these.
1: <laughs> so I had I had a I've had clients over the years do that. Um, I had I had like a, a high school friend, believe it or not, <clears throat> she reached out to me, and she said, um, and and we we set up a search for her, and I had a listing appointment. All of a sudden, and she told me, she goes, you know, I think I'm going to meet with a couple other agents, Steve, you know, I, I know, you know, I like you, but you know, I want to just make sure I'm doing my homework with a couple agents. Well, a couple days later, she's telling me, Hey, I found this house. And this, this was a legitimate coming soon, um, because it really did go on the market, but there were other times, other stories that were more like the last scenario I ran by you, but this one, she, um, she had, she had found this coming soon. It was out there for several weeks she reached out to the agent they were they were trying to hard press her into a listing appointment and it was just obvious that this was their marketing platform this was how they were generating leads was putting these listings out there that they basically were i don't know if you want, they were the only ones that had it they had a secret stash and they were forbidding anyone on any other agents from it and using it to attract not only new consumers but other people's consumers Kurt, I wanna tell you one thing. Since Coming Soon rolled out, it's very easy to do. You can go on Zillow, you put in Portland, Oregon, right. and then you, 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 you remove all statuses but Coming Soon. It is getting better, by the way. <clears throat> um, in August of last year, I did it, and there were, uh, there were quite a few still. I wanna mm-hmm. say there was about 25 Coming Soons out there. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I even flagged a few and sent them and reported them to you guys. Good, good. good I bad. just did it again today, and there's actually only about four or five. Right. One of them is the person <laughs> that yeah, was notoriously course. doing this. Yes, of course. A year ago, before the rule change, and well, I'll and, let you. And
2: that's, I mean, that's important. It is getting better. And I think the bottom line needs to be that the multiple listing service is a cooperative. When everybody joins the MLS, they're not doing it, you know, you get a lot of personal gain out of it, but it's a cooperative. You agree to share your listings in exchange for everybody else sharing your listings with you. What it is not is a secondary fallback just in case things don't work out on your own. Okay, then I'll try it through the MLS. That's not what you agreed to. And that's the bottom line.
1: Yep, yep. Talk to us about enforcement. What's so you people are getting flagged? Have have there been have there been reports of hey that one two three Main Street is coming soon on Zillow?
2: Yeah, yeah, we get those. And by the way, I should say, when anybody hits the report issue button inside of our MLS web, which of course this wouldn't be or they call the rules and regs department or the help desk. All of that is entirely anonymous. The only time anyone ever knows that you complained is if we push it, we'll call you back and say, look, uh, we need a formal violation here. But the default is an entirely anonymous report. So everybody who sees this sort of thing, feel free to send us in the information. We'll do the legwork. You don't have to do anything. We'll make the phone calls, and no one will ever know that it was you. But, yeah, we do – We do get a fair number of people that are reporting either I found this on Zillow or um, which is also common is I got this email. This person's trying to sell this property to people that are RMLS subscribers, but it's not in RMLS web. I can't find it. And then we just track them down. And most of the time, I would probably say somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% of the time it's not as big an issue as we originally thought it was. It's usually someone has the proper paperwork filled out or they actually do have it in RMLS web. The person couldn't find it or it just got added five minutes ago or something like that. Most of the time, it's not a big deal. But those times that it is a big deal, we chase it down and we either get it entered into RMLS web or you know, find out what the deal is.
1: Do you have people who you've are repeat offenders and have you done anything about that yet? Because I'm looking at one right now. <laughs>
0: <We, laughs> going to have to so, some DCAPs, huh? So you we
2: know? do have people that are repeat event- offenders, and we haven't done anything about it um, yet. So the way that process works, and here's, here's sort of the Achilles heel of any multiple listing service. You remember I just said it's not going to be – no one's going to know who it is until I call you back and say, look, I need this to be a formal violation. And no one's willing to push it that far. As soon as we call them back and say we need to press this on a formal violation, they say I'm out. Uh, It's over. So you look at last year, I think we had eight or ten formal violations, if that many, when you're talking about tens of thousands of informal violations.
1: Okay, so I didn't understand that Kurt. So in order for a repeat offender, like like someone someone anonymously
0: says, Can "Hey, what Do we want to ju- should we just blast this guy on the I
2: I'll hang up immediately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I won't say a name. Please don't. No. No. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I um so what so if so if somebody does an informal anonymous 123 Main Street is coming soon on Zillow and you look at it And you go, oh, it's so-and-so, and and they do this all the time. You can't do anything unless that person does a formal violation. That's right, yeah. So what happens is that has
2: to be brought to a hearings committee, and then the hearings committee has to go through and say, well, actually, it goes to the Rules and Regs Committee. The Rules and Regs Committee says, yeah, that is, in fact, a violation. Then we schedule a hearing because the National Association of Realtors requires that anyone accused of something has the right to face their accuser. They have the right to be able to defend themselves in front of a jury of their peers. So we have a formal process we have to follow because we're a realtor. Or multiple listing service, and so we have to follow those rules. So, in order for us to levy a fine, we have steps that we have to go through, and one of those is to remove the anonymity. Uh, and that—that's sort of the—that's sort of the crux of the situation. No one's willing to do that at that point. Hmm. So do you think people?
1: Yeah. And now, that, especially that you've put that up to the universe on a podcast, do you think people are taking advantage of that? Uh, the anonymity, people. Repeat offenders, do you think they go, oh, it's never going to turn into anything bad, um, so I'm just going to keep doing possible, it? It's possible, I suppose.
2: It's not – I mean, honestly, when you look at the numbers, it's not – if if that were the case, I would expect more people to do it, and I yeah. I don't see that.
1: Yeah, so that said, you might not levy a fine, but you do reach out to that person. You do say, hey, 123 Main Street yeah. is on Zillow. You need to take that down? Constantly, Yeah. Constantly,
0: okay. Yes. So that's kind of the governor to controlling this whole thing really is like, right. Hey, you're in the wrong. And most normal people are like, sorry, yeah, we'll fix it. Right. You get your occasional repeat offender. That's like, well, nobody's going to file formal complaints. So I'm just going to keep being, you know, a little bit. Yeah, Or
2: the worst one that I've heard, which is, which is a response, which is, Hey, find me. It's the cost of doing business. I'm just going to get it done. And that one drives me insane, but. And you th- heard and those that. are so small compared yeah. to the 99. x percent of people that are like, whoopsie, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I I agree, and I agree with you that they the, the vast majority, 99.9 percent, are are either doing it right or accidentally doing it wrong.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, going back to the CSN, that was the vast majority of people. They didn't realize what they were doing was in violation and they hadn't even thought about it. They were just, you know, going about their business. They're just doing their thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would I would venture then on your guys' end, you know, you know the re- repeat offenders. Like obviously you're not gonna say any names, but right. there I are probably say any
2: names, but I would be surprised if there were any repeat offenders that we don't talk to routinely.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, after this podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, next one, number two, we're getting, we're getting close here to the number one century Lock Bluetooth conversion. This one was huge. Talk about yeah. this. Kurt.
2: So in essence, the RMLS board of directors took a look at the, uh, Lock product offerings, they saw that there was a Bluetooth version of the lockbox available, which eliminated access. There's a large portion of the state of Oregon. So if you're in Florence, a lot of these lockboxes that in order to use the app, you had to have cell coverage, that was a pain or up on Mount Hood, that couldn't be a pain. Um, And honestly, just in the day-to-day using of the product, the Bluetooth lockbox was significantly better. So the board of directors voted to spend about $3.2 million buying Bluetooth lockboxes for all of the subscribers. So we bought 50,000 Bluetooth lockboxes, and then over the course of about a month, exchanged the vast majority of those for the old lock boxes that we just gave back to central lock. We don't know what they're going to do with them. They don't know what they're going to do with them. Um, but that was it. It was a huge undertaking. And you sort of alluded to this earlier in the podcast, a lockbox exchange is one of those things that a multiple listing service does once or twice. And it will be something that they point to as their year's accomplishment. Like this is what we did this year. In 2018, this was just one of a slew of things that we accomplished. We just happened to fit in a Bluetooth upgrade uh, for everyone's lockbox in 2018. And it's been very popular. People love the Bluetooth lockbox compared to the old one.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, Hey, Tucker, I turned in 25 to 30 lockboxes. Guess how much it cost me? Zero. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We turned in a
0: bunch, too. I have a question for you, though, because on these new lockboxes, I've been asking Chris, and our here. Um, you know, we'll have a, any given listing with showings. And sometimes the showings show up automatically. But my understanding is is that some people have to, like, reload their card or something in order for that showing to actually show up. Right. Is, is there some clarification there? Or am I yeah. So
2: any? there's two ways to open up a lockbox now. You can use the app, which for the first time in history, the vast majority of our subscribers are using the app thank goodness. But some people still prefer, I don't know if it's because they want tactile feedback or, or they don't trust their phone or they don't have a smartphone, but some people still use the card. Now, the way that the lockbox works is that if you use that card, right, to open up a lockbox, there's no way for that card to tell anybody anywhere, anytime that it opened up a lockbox. The only way the system gets that information is the next time they renew their card. So, if, if, you know, that can take some time. So mm-hmm. there can be, with card users, there can be a very long delay uh, before that information gets uploaded to the system. Now, Central Lock has done a number of things to try and mitigate that, um, not the least of which is that the lockbox records the fact that a card would use. And the next time somebody uses an app, it broadcasts that. But you still have a delay there. Right. You still have a gap. And that's that's sort of the problem with the system. If if people continue to use that card, it's gonna cause those delays. But it's fewer and fewer and fewer people every day.
1: How many yeah. use the card versus the app? Do you guys have any statistics on that, Kurt? You know, John has
2: the statistics on that. I don't have them in front of me. I just know that in 2018 we crossed the fifty percent mark. So I think we're at like fifty eight percent somewhere oh, wow. around there that are using the
0: app now.
1: And oh, it's wow. growing every day. Oh my gosh! I would have guessed a lot more than that. No kidding. Yeah,
0: I would have too. I would. Yeah. have. Hey, Steve, you, we've done this show for a long time. How many realtors? <laughs> is it the first time they use Skype when we do the show? With them? I know. <laughs> I know.
1: Right? Realtors—they don't love change. Um, I just want to thank you personally, Kurt. I mean, again, you glossed over this. I just want to reiterate what you said, as as Tucker acknowledged i spent zero dollars to to turn in my lock boxes and by the way get brand new lock boxes like some right. of those lock boxes were five years old and were falling apart and were embarrassing mm-hmm. to me to have on my listings mm-hmm. for for zero dollars and a very easy process i now have brand new shiny lock boxes rmls paid 3.2 million dollars that's all i mean you just walk up to it your app finds it and you enter your little four-digit code, and it's opening. Um, one thing for our listeners, I mean, you, you do have to push a button on the lockbox a lot of times. They'll be asleep, and for them to connect, you do oh, have sure, to do yeah. that. There's been a little bit of a learning process, but but it is super, super easy to use. Kurt, how, one question I had with these lockboxes, you know, if I pulled up my app right now, it would suddenly show about 10, 15 lockboxes near me. If I clicked on one and did the four-digit code, do I have to be within 10 feet of it or something for it to actually open? Or can I open one from quarter mile away? That's not. No, that's not possible. You have to be
2: within it, within Bluetooth range. So you couldn't, you couldn't put now, if you were to try it, and prove that it failed and, and you weren't able to do it, the listing uh, agent would still get a notification that, that you know, that lockbox. So that's a little bit of a glitch.
1: Oh, but. even though it didn't open it?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, I have a yeah. lockbox sitting in my office right here that every now and then someone attempts <laughs> to open. And if they weren't here. They weren't attempting to open. It was just being used as a test
1: got it cuz and i'll tell you that's happened on our listings you know sometimes you're trying to get feedback will mm-hmm. will reach out to an agent and they'll go i didn't show that listing i think i showed a different one in that building or something right. so yeah i guess my concern had been in the past was was that lockbox opening and then anyone could use it but the, i guess what you're saying is it's not it's yeah, unless they're within be,
2: you've got to be right there got so it got it. within range Awesome. Which is sort awesome. of, you know, it's sort of interesting. That's one of the calls that we get a lot. I get it a lot, and I'm sure Helpdesk does too, where somebody just showed my listing and you call them and they say, no, 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 I wasn't showing the listing. I was showing another agent how easy the app is to use. And it's like, well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least, at least they're showing them, right? Yeah, exactly. You, know, you got that. Okay. Tucker, drumroll. <laughs>
1: Number one. <laughs> Debut of a new look and feel for RMLS Web. Right. So um, (laughs) this will come as a surprise to no
2: one. But for years, we have been uh, inundated with complaints about the look and feel of RMLS Web. And for years, we kind of did nothing because our charter, like our directions, were to keep the MLS up and running at all times, which we do an excellent job of, And to keep the MLS as fast as possible. Nobody should be waiting for data. And we can still do more of that. But to be perfectly honest, compared to some of these other systems, our MLS web is zippy fast. And so we've just been sort of accomplishing those two goals over and over and over. And it became relatively apparent uh, at some point in 2017 that we needed to start redesigning this product. We need to make it look better. We need to make it something that people aren't complaining about all the time. And to be perfectly honest, nobody complains about an ugly website when it's down. (laughs) They complain the fact that it's down. No one complains about an ugly website when it's slow. They only complain about an ugly website when it's up and it's zippy fast. But the fact remains, they're still complaining. The problem with a redesign is you. there's no way you're going to redesign something and make everyone happy. Look at Facebook and their redesigns. Look at Reddit and their redesigns. Every time one of these major websites redesigns their system, they make their entire user base angry. In our case, we don't really have the flexibility to make everyone angry because we don't want to get in the way of your job. So we hired a uh, UX UI designer to come in, take a look at RMLS web and help us sort of walk us through steps to make the website something that was made in 2018 while at the same time not disrupting anyone's business. That's my first rule. We can't get in the way of what it is you want to do, which kind of ties our hands to a certain extent. Uh, but that project was launched in 2018, and I land heavily on the word launched because I've had a lot of people call me and say, geez, you guys sure suck at a redesign. All you did was the login screen and the menu bar. And
0: that was it's like, nice. well, so, we're,
2: yeah. we're just started. And you'll see later our next release will be listing load. Now, listing load is going to be a large redesign. It's going to look dramatically different. I'm hoping we don't get in anyone's way. Uh, which means that you know there won't be too big a changes, but I think people will start to see, especially with listing load, people will start to see the direction that we're heading in uh, as far as a redesigned website.
1: Awesome, awesome! I'm playing around with it right now as we as we talk, Kurt. And I love the search bar. I love being able to hit home. You've got your search bar there, and um, and I was even playing around with it. Um, you know, you, you can enter the number of the street. And then just even the first three letters of yeah. the street name yeah. Yeah. and it'll either pull up that street or that street and any other derivatives that are yeah. close to it. Yeah. Um, but that was a huge addition to, to be able to have that in the past, you had a little search in the right corner, right? Was it That's the right. same search or is it improved?
2: I'm sorry that broke up
1: at the end there. What was that? In the past, before the redesign, there uh-huh. was a search bar in the right corner. On the right hand side, right, it was small.
2: Uh, well, it's the same search, but we're constantly refining the algorithm on the back end, so it okay. it works a little better. It, it's a little bit different because we took some of the code that we had on the old mobile product and we sort of wrapped that in. But for the most part, it's the same. I mean, okay. yeah, you know, it's, but
1: it's it's much more pronounced now. And yeah, no. Yeah. Well, and the
2: thing that's important that I think is cool that a lot of people overlook is if you go to the toolbar and hit home, like that search bar is there. It's always available to you where it wasn't before, right? You had to go back and load a whole separate page. And I think, you know, little things like that, that coupled with the fact that this is significantly easier to use on a tablet uh, because of the redesigned uh, menu bar, I think comes in really handy.
1: Yeah. So, Kurt, last last comment on that subject. Do you remember went on Masters right after the redesign? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody went on there and goes, there was some complaints like, "What's going on with RMLS Web?" and and yeah, you know, and like you said, no, not everyone's ever always happy, and there was yeah. complaints. And one guy goes on there and goes, "We need a new president, <laughs> RMLS. <laughs> Do and I you,
2: remember it? I think about it every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you pop in there and you're like, oops, this is
0: awkward. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, what are you going to say?
0: <laughs> I think we did a show a long time ago. People we were like, before you rag on somebody, do this, use the search bar within the group and see <laughs> if they are actually in the group, right? So, a yeah. Before you go replacing staff. <laughs>
1: yeah. In, yeah. In other news, RMLS is never down other than one s- mysterious user who is constantly down every three days for (laughs) for five hours.
2: I know. Um, There's always that that one user.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. So we're done with 2018. Talk to us about 2019. Okay. So 2019, we
2: have some cool stuff coming up. And I think, so I can't go into detail on a lot of this because some of it hasn't been inked yet and, you know, we're still working through, but I think Maybe arguably the largest improvement that's coming is going to be the fact that RMLS is uh, signing an agreement with the Brokers Public Portal, which people call BPP. Uh, BPP uses HomeSnap, and HomeSnap is not only a website but also an app. Um, that you get. The Brokers Public Portal is supposed to be sort of the industry's response to Zillow and Realtor.com. It's a portal that that realtors can get behind, that brokers can get behind, we can direct our clients to without having people sell leads to us, without having them charge the MLS fees, without having them do a lot of the shenanigans that people hate about the largest portals. Now, what is that going to mean to you? What is it going to mean to the subscriber? What it means is that at some point in 2019, um, sooner rather than later, we are going to turn off our public website, rmls.com, and we will direct all of that traffic to homesnap.com. So if people go to homesnap.com, you'll have a much more what I would call 2018 experience. Um, as opposed to what we were able to get accomplished uh, with, um, with RMLS.com. So and that's a for a multitude experience. of number reasons. It's not because we're bad programmers. It just It's what people could stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to that, HomeSnap has a very robust client portal feature. So you'll get a HomeSnap app that you can use, and that app will allow you to have sort of two-way communication with your clients. They loved this house. They hated this house. They had a question about this house, that type of thing. And you can provide that to them just sort of as a tool that you get from the multiple listing service. Now, none of this comes cheap. It is outrageously expensive to the multiple listing service um, to the tune of $1 per subscriber per month which means that in order to provide this, it's costing our MLS $14,500 every single month, but which is one of the reasons we had to raise our dues. Uh, but I think it will speak to two problems we've had for a while, and that was that people were getting more and more and more embarrassed of our public website, uh, and people were looking for a client, you know, some sort of client portal, and this will address that.
1: Wow, that's interesting. You know that goes against what you guys typically do. Usually, you guys are very broker facing. Yeah, this is a little different in that you are actually coming up with consumer facing tools to help us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um. No, I think that's. I think that's fantastic. I think it's yeah. great. Um, and I think it's. It's good because. Um, yeah. I. I would ag- agree that armless. Um, what's the consumer one called again? Armless web.
2: No, it's just RMLS.com.
1: RMLS.com. Yeah. Um, it's a beauty. It, it wasn't the, the user experience that the, the consumers want and it wasn't getting the traction against the big, like you said, the big portals. So
2: well, sure. Yeah, like I went I was at um Safeway not too long ago. Well, golly, it was a over a year ago. And I had someone come up, just a member, I had my RMLS jacket on, and I had a member of the public come up and say. You know, God, we use your website all the time. We love it. And I think this lady had to be in her mid-80s, lower <laughs> 90s maybe. And it two things occurred to me. One, I haven't received that compliment since like 2002. It used to be <laughs> all the time you wore your logo and the consumer was like, oh, I know you guys. And I realized I hadn't heard that in a while. And then I thought, this, this is who finds the website so easy to use? <laughs> And so, you know, and I think, and I'm not alone. I mean, to be perfectly honest, there's a reason this is called the broker's public portal. I think the brokers themselves were like, okay, it's time to stop hamstringing our multiple listing services and start to embrace a client-side
1: portal. Awesome. Awesome. What else you got coming our way, Kurt?
2: Oh, there's some some big stuff. So speaking of portals. Uh, As it stands right now, RMLS only sends data to one portal. Well, too, if you count RMLS.com, but that's just sort of our public website. We only send data to Realtor.com. And in 2018, one of the things we did was we focused on that question. Why? Why do we send data only to Realtor.com, especially given that they're not affiliated with NAR anymore? I mean, they rent the name Realtor, but they not, they're not owned by Realtor.com. And as a portion of that, we came out with a checklist of things that our directors would like to see from portals. Things like they don't charge the MLS and they don't charge for listings and they, uh, the, the real estate agent. And they provide statistical reports and a whole slew of things that they wanted. And what we found that was that Realtor.com still fit the bill. They still were someone that we should be sending data to. But for the first time since like 2003 or two or something, we will be adding to that list and we will be adding homes.com. Homes.com has long been known as the most MLS-friendly portal out there, um, and we will, by default, be sending everyone's listings to Homes.com probably
0: second quarter of 2019. How many now, other MLSs send them their info? Quite a few as well? Or?
2: Um, I don't know about quite a few. It's over half. Okay. But at this point, Homes.com is in fourth place, so you've got... The big Z at the top, realtor.com close at number two. And then you've got Trulia and, you know, homes.com. Got and so. that's an our market, Kurt? Well, boy, that's
1: I don't nationally. know. Good question. That's, that's a, right. the, yeah, Those, that's those are nationwide
2: nationally. stats I was calling. Yeah, because I, I think Redfin's
1: bigger in our market than I think it's up there.
2: Well, it's entirely possible. But remember, I don't consider Redfin a portal. They're a broker. Yeah. So that's let's true. with them in a whole that, separate category. That's true. They're that's one true. of my
1: customers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So explain to us um, explain to us what you mean by that, because it's a little confusing to me, because you do feed Zillow. Now, I know as a brokerage, we have to agree to it. But, but when we do, you do send your data to Zillow. So why is that different?
2: Okay, so here's the difference. In order for you to get your listings on Zillow, the principal broker has to call us They have to authorize it. They have to sign some paperwork. And then we have to set up a special feed where we send them only that broker's listings, right? Mm. This is different. This is a board-approved feed, which means that everybody's listings automatically are going to show up on homes.com unless you do exactly the same thing. You call us and you say, I don't want my listings on homes.com. I don't like them for whatever reason. And then we will alter the feed to remove those listings. It's the difference between an opt in and an opt out. Got it. Everybody is opt in except for realtor.com and homes.com and so, RMLS.com if you want to count them.
1: Is that a good? Wh- what's your thought process here? I mean, okay, so let me ask you some silly question. If one is good, two is better, is three, four, five, and six even better? I mean, what? Yeah, so.
2: That's the super question. Like that's a really good question. I don't know what's good for your listings. Like I'm not going to make decisions on what's best for you and your listings. On the other hand, we do have the ability to leverage some things on behalf of all of the subscribers. So for instance, if there's, if, more exposure is better for you, that's kind of up to you to decide, right? If I were to go through and send all of your data to Field and Stream Magazine and everybody who's asking for the data... Um, that's how MLSs get in trouble. And you've got, by the way, hundreds of them all over the country that are getting in trouble for that all the time because brokers wake up one day and they realize my listings are everywhere and these guys are profiting off of it and I didn't know anything about it. Why is that? Well, the MLS was making the decision on their behalf. On the other hand, Sometimes when there are websites like realtor.com back in the day, like they were owned by the National Association of Realtors, and it meant it meant something to the board of directors that we supported that website, uh, and that's exactly the same thing with homes.com. They're trying to be industry-friendly. They're trying to give you all the services that you might need, uh, and there's really no reason for us not to help out by providing that level of exposure. But We can't support websites that charge you money, right? So I'm not mentioning anyone in particular, but like Zulia, for instance, like they make a ton of money off of your content and it would be relatively inappropriate if we just helped them make more money by providing your data to them.
1: Realtor.com charges money to agents.
2: That's right. They
1: do. So how's that different?
2: You know, honestly, we could we could talk about this for <laughs> six weeks.
1: <laughs> Is that just because it's grandfathered in because it used to be owned by NAR? Uh,
2: to a certain extent, yes. I mean, I won't shy away from the fact that at this point right now, it would be significantly harder for us to cut that feed than it would just to leave it alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Imagine 14,000 realtors trying to explain how we cut their feed for, you know, for one reason or another.
1: Yeah. I, w- I want to get you on record, Kurt. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard about this. Um, Las Vegas is removing Zillow's feed at all, all across the board, which I also believe Seattle's Northwest MLS doesn't feed Zillow. Um, do you think that's a movement in that direction? Do you think the MLS's are 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 saying, "Hey, wait a minute, we don't want to play with you anymore"? Um, um- yeah
2: so that's tough. That's hard. so Las Vegas went ahead and rescinded They're sending data again.
1: Oh, they um, did they yeah. are
2: oh I and and Seattle does as well so what here's let's let that play out for a second Here's how this works m l s takes a strong sand. We're not sending listings to you anymore right we're just we're just not going to do it. Uh, And Zillow has said in the past, well, we won't accept listings except from multiple listing services, which I actually support. I think that's a good move. But in that situation, what happens is then the consumer starts screaming at you. Why isn't my listing on Zillow? Where is it? And the MLS all of a sudden starts getting the reverse pressure of phone call after phone call after phone call. You're affecting my business. You're affecting my relationship with my client. And what happens? It's only a matter of days and then boom, this feeds back on and lesson learned. Yeah, uh, I think we're in a weird situation right now where a lot of people have a lot of anxiety towards uh, Zulia and the big boys where At the same time, the consumer, they've attracted the consumer's eyes. They have the attention. And, uh, you know, the time for MLSs to turn off that feed probably has passed. We Mm -hmm. could have gotten away with it at some point. Um, And for those MLSs that made the decision on behalf of their subscribers, woe unto them. Uh, Just woe unto them. And there's a lot of them. Uh, But for MLSs like us, where it was always the broker's responsibility to turn that on, well, it was their decision, and they did it. And if they want to turn it off, and they do, uh, routinely we get phone calls of people saying, "Shut it off, turn it back on, shut it <laughs> off, turn it back on," uh, and that's fine. They're in mm-hmm.
1: control. And I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Like uh, I, I, I hear brokerages saying, "Oh, we're going to ours off for luck. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get I get calls from sellers complaining about this stuff on Zillow. Hello, I can't. Not showing up there, but they'll call and say, "Why is this? Why is that? Why is my days on market one day off or something?" And right. um, you know, I I don't own Zillow. I, I'll you know I, I can't. Right. But it, but it cons- that's my point is consumers are looking on those sites and they making sure their home for sale is on them. So I think the term I've I've heard used in the past is the genie is out of the bottle. That's and right. Try to stuff it back in and, and pretend that you can do that and, and yeah. uh, relevant is hard to imagine.
0: Yeah, someone out of there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good way to put it. Well, hey, we're coming up on uh, about an hour and 15 here, so uh, maybe we should wrap it up. I know we probably a, should. It yeah. time, uh, but I think we've gone over some uh, great information, definitely from last year. Very cool stuff coming over this year, conversation about Zillow the milk being out of the cow. It's a good analogy. Uh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. very relevant to, you know, conversations these days, Zillow and, and real estate listings. It's a, it's a hot button for sure. So I'm yeah. glad we touched on it, but, um, we really appreciate you coming back on Kurt and diving through everything. I know, um, you know, you got a busy schedule as we all do. So we very much appreciate it. And I know our listeners do too. Yeah. yeah and
1: here, we had more stuff to go through. I think I vote that Tucker, we get him on in six months again, maybe in the summertime and, 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 maybe talk a little bit more about where things are with Tuna 2019. And we had some other stuff to discuss, but you're always uh, engaging and you're an an interesting guest for for sure, Kurt. And I know our listeners are going to love this episode. So thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you very much. The only thing I would add is if anyone is interested in some short podcasts about RMLS releases and about RMLS information, just do a search on whatever tool you use, iTunes or whatever for RMLS. We do have a podcast, but again, it's, it's five minutes, so it's something you listen to on the way to your next gig or or whatever it is you're doing. But as far as this one goes, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and I honestly look forward to doing it again. What's the uh, name of the podcast
0: so that people it's can just, search for
2: um i just search for rmls i think it's the name of the podcast is rmls real talk
0: okay gotcha yeah definitely listen to it it'll cut down on your help desk calls too (laughs) (laughs) i hope
1: so yeah that'd be great so
0: all right guys well this is uh episode 92 we're signing off thanks kurt and thank uh, you thanks steve for uh joining myself for episode one of 2019 and everybody we'll be back soon
1: awesome thank you